It's great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas to me so you can keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our main website. You got a question for me? Go to Clark.com slash ask, and you can post away. Coming up in just a few minutes, in today's Clark Rageous Moment, new report out about how much debt we took on at Christmas. I've got assignments for you to whittle that debt down to size. And coming up yet later, a lot of people fear or hate robotics, but I actually think they improve our lives and ultimately will create more employment. I know that sounds impossible. I'm going to tell you why I believe that and where robots are coming to your and my life. And that's significant because you'll start hearing me from CES tomorrow, the Consumer Electronics Show, as I'm in Las Vegas all week, already been here since yesterday, scoping out what things might be coming your way in the future. I want to talk about something that's in your present. Pay TV providers are raising rates way beyond prior years' increases, way beyond the rate of inflation, as uh, phone company, television, uh, cable company, television, satellite television, they're all boosting prices. And they're doing so because this is weird economics and there's prior precedent for this as more and more people disconnect from pay tv the traditional pay tv providers squeeze the people that remain loyal to them knowing there's a certain percent of people who don't like change and are going to remain loyal at a big cost to their wallet This is an inflection point year where you should really think hard about looking at the alternative ways to get pay TV from the various streaming services. You've got Hulu Live. You've got YouTube.tv, which may be the best of all of them. Sling.com, which is actually a service of Dish Network for people who don't want to have a satellite. And each of these have pluses and minuses, and they are not the same as sitting down with a traditional pay TV remote and just changing channels. They require more thinking, but they also offer more flexibility that you can watch whenever, wherever. And in the case of YouTube.tv, you get an unlimited DVR, electronic DVR that allows you to record as much programming as you'd like to watch when and where and how you wish. And in a household, you get six different DVR accounts and people can be watching three different shows at once at a cost per month of 35 a month. The average pay TV package, over $100 a month now. So, The choice is yours. This is the time that your wallet is going to be shredded by the pay TV providers. 
no better time for you to test one of the alternatives, find the one that works for you, and all you'll do is save money moving forward. I noticed through the Christmas shopping season, person after person buying TVs with Roku built in, you buy one of those, these streaming alternatives are ultra, ultra easy to use. With an existing TV, you can buy a Google Chromecast, or you can buy a Roku separate device, hook it into your TV, and again, streaming becomes ultra easy and a big way for you to save money. David's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, David. Hi, Clark. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, David. How's your life going? Oh, pretty good. Better with everything I learned from you. I love the show. Just found it about a year ago, so I'm learning. Well, it's great to have you here, David. Um, My question today was, um, I cooked up this idea. I got a credit card that has uh, 1.5% cash back. I don't carry any balance on it, so I thought... I could use it for everyday expenses, and then I pay it off weekly. Is that a good idea? That's a great idea. I mean, as long as you're paying a balance in full, any reward card is great to have. And so what kind of charge volume, David, are you running up per month? Uh, Per month? Well, I only started doing this about a month ago, so I'm probably doing about $300, $400 a week now. Perfect. So doing the 1.5% cash back is just right. Yeah, and I pay it off weekly. I just wipe it out every week, and I was like, I don't know if this is a good idea. I better check with Clark. No, it's a great idea because you're making money. I mean, think about it. You're charging on the card, and that three or $400 a month is throwing additional money your way. You're not paying any interest. You're just using it as a payment system, and I love that. And yeah, at some point, I wasn't sure. Yeah, and you know, on the, interest. the advantage of you paying weekly is that your balance when the statement closes is nearly nothing, which the benefit of that is it gives your credit score a huge booster. Oh, fantastic. So you're doing well all the way around. Have you set up a Credit Karma account yet or Credit Sesame? Uh, yeah, I've been following your show for about a year. I got that, and then I also get my credit score with the credit card, so I got both. Great. And what kind of score do you have these days? I'm at about a 708. 708. Wonderful. So you keep those balances down by paying your cards weekly, and that will be a factor that may, in fact, raise that 708 up from there, but 708 already is great. So, yeah, I've already seen the difference in the, the interest rates I can get on a loan. I'm, I mean, just a year ago, I, I was being offered 11.5% starting down to 4 Ha, good job. Just keep it up, handling credit the way you are. Nothing but good news comes along your way. Derek is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Derek. Hi, Clark. How's it going? It's going pretty good. How about yourself? Great, thank you. You got a question for me about your 401k, is that right? Yeah. Um, so at my employer, they um, they mat or they just give 12% of your salary um, towards your 403b. Say and what that, now? They give yeah. you 12% of your pay 
goes into the provided retirement plan. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. That's kind of great. <laughs> wow. Now, do you, can you put additional money in yourself? Yes, I can, yeah. So you don't have to put anything in to grab the 12%, but you can add to it. Yeah. Okay, and did I hear you right that you said it's a 403B, not a 401K? Yeah, it's a 403B. All right, now those are usually not the greatest. 403Bs tend to have higher costs than most people have in a 401K, but getting 12% of your pay free thrown into... 403B, hard to argue with that. I don't know, exactly. Well, how can I be of service to you? Because it sounds great so far. Yeah, I have a few questions. Um, So for the 403B, um, so that 12% comes out to 6,000 for me. And then on top of that, I give 9,000 a year. Um, And the contribution limit this year is 18,500. And I was wondering, do you think I should max out um, my 403B, or do you think I should put the money that I would be doing to max that out into a Roth RA or just a regular I like RA? the idea of you opening a Roth. And so right now, the $9,000 you are putting in is pre-tax money, mm-hmm. and it is a 403B, which tends to make it much more expensive than you could do your own Roth IRA. Mm -hmm. If you had the discipline, and it sounds like you do, to put the money into the Roth IRA, I would like for you to open a Roth with one of the low-cost companies, of which Mm -hmm. I have a list on Clark.com. I I looked at the list. Was there any ones that you think... Um, would be the best for me. The the easy button, if you were looking for the easiest thing to do, it would be to open a Roth IRA with Vanguard and put it in the target retirement fund closest to the year you anticipate retiring. Can I ask how old you are, Derek? 23. Wait, wait, wait. You're 23 years old and you're already saving money like a maniac? Well, I listen to you, so I, I, um, <laughs> I, I'm trying hard to, to make it happen. But you are effectively, between what the employer's putting in and what you're putting in, you're saving, as we, as we speak, 30% of your pay. Yeah, trying to, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's great. I mean, I should be throwing a parade for you at 23 <laughs> years old. You're saving almost a third of your pay, and now you want to put more aside in the Roth. So 23, so let's look 40 years out. So like if you were to go in the 20, the target retirement fund 2055 or 2060, either of those would be great choices. Mm-hmm. And then you do the Roth, you do the 3000 into the Roth and you can do more, by the way, you can have this plan at work and still, if you wish, since you're such a maniac saver, you could do 5500 into the Roth each year if you wanted to. You don't have does to. It, you're not subject it, to that employer cap. Does it make sense to just put it all in at once, like if I was going to do the 5500 or does it matter if I spread it out like bi-monthly or something? Well, the advantage of doing it on a regular basis 
versus doing it in a lump sum is that you don't freak out if you put in 5500 and the next week the stock market has a 50% decline or something. <laughs> you know, that's, that's exactly. the only reason. Otherwise, if you're comfortable just knowing you've got 40 years in front of you, just writing a check each year for 5500 I would do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, had w- I had one other question. Ready. Um, um, so I, I do have some extra money in my savings account, and um, I was wondering if there was any savings account that you would recommend me to um, look into or if there was some more like short-term CDs that you think I should No, I would or- go in a simple savings account. Because with us in a time period where interest rates are headed up from here, almost certainly the Federal Reserve has signaled their intention is to raise interest rates three more times this year. And the interest Mm -hmm. rates they raise almost, not directly, but indirectly translate into what you can earn on savings with the online banks. I think you just open one of the savings accounts with one of the online banks and you'll earn right now about 1.6%. And that's a good start, and those rates will just go up from there. Is, is there a certain one that you think would be As good? long as one's FDIC insured, you're good. Okay. Right. And you can link it to your regular checking account and move the money at will, typically, on two days' notice. It's time for today's Clark Rageous moment, and it's really about you and me, how you handled spending through the Christmas season. And new data out, survey says that we spent more money than we intended to this Christmas with an unhappy result. Scams, rip-offs, outrages. It's a Clark Rageous moment. Roughly half of us didn't stick to a budget for Christmas and now owe money on credit cards that we can't pay. When I called in December, because I could foresee the future, because this has come up year after year, I could see it, and that is that people would have what I call the January debt hangover, and now here we are. So if you just pay the minimum on that credit card debt, from Christmas shopping, you'll be in debt for potentially decades. So I want you to think about this. Let's say you ran up $1,000 in credit card debt from Christmas shopping. What's your plan? How are you going to tackle that debt? How much are you going to pay every month to get rid of that? I don't want it to be bathing suit season And you're still paying off Christmas shopping. So come up with a plan, whatever it is that is realistic and will work for you, and tackle that debt. You know, so often it's so easy to get into debt and so much harder to get out. Listen to this stat from MarketWatch. So the average person who ran up a credit card balance from Christmas ran up a balance of $1,054. If you pay $25 a month on that debt, you'll finish paying it off in 2023 
at the average interest rate. Do you really want to pay for the Christmas just concluded for the next five years? I'm sure you don't. So that's why I want you to come up with what's realistic for you. How much can you pay each month to get rid of that debt? And then do like the other half of people, because roughly it's half of people who ran up debt for Christmas, and resolve that the Christmas coming up almost a year from now, no more Christmas debt. No more Christmas debt. Pay what you can afford to buy only. Glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you figuring out how to grow that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me at Clark.com. You can find deals at ClarkDeals.com. Here's a deal about me. I am a gadget freak. You know, a lot of people who see me on TV or see me on videos on Clark.com want to know, why am I wearing two watches? Well, there's not a good explanation for wearing two watches. I wear a smartwatch, an Android smartwatch on my left hand, and I wear a Garmin fitness tracker on my right hand. And yeah, the Android watches, just like the Apple Watch, will do a certain amount of the fitness stuff, but I'm obsessed with exercise, and I find that the Garmin has worked really well for me for years, and it pushes me to exercise more than I would otherwise. But I look ridiculous when my watches will buzz, and I'm looking at both watches, and then... I got my smartphone. I mean, it's, it's silly, right? But I do love gadgets. And I love how technology in so many ways, even though it has uh, complicated our lives, has also given us different opportunities to save money, ways to do things better. I mean, I look through the apps on my phone and I think about all the things that, uh, mine's an Android, but iPhone as well, all the things that I can do on this device that prior were not possible. These are very powerful computers that we carry around with us. And so I embrace technology. I embrace change. But one area has been very controversial in the United States, and that is robotics that people look at as a way of displacing people and destroying jobs. And I want to give you an example of one that I read about in Business Week that to me is a great thing, but others would look at it as it destroys jobs. And it's a sushi-making robot. Who knew we needed sushi-making robots? But sushi is really in. It's not something I eat. But the robot's 14 grand, and it works side-by-side with sushi workers who do all the sushi rolling, but for standardized sushi rolls, it can generate four times the number of sushi rolls that a human can and do them with complete uniformity. $14,000. Pays for itself pretty quickly. You might look at that and say, that's somebody's 
job times four that that $14,000 robot takes away because it's able to make what four people would make, but the work is very difficult and the turnover is quite high. Nobody gets up in the morning and says, wow, I can't wait to have eight hours rolling sushi today. Now, people that are doing it as art form and creating unusual combinations, that's different. But just regular production sushi, let the machine do it. It allows potentially ultimately for more employment because the robot being able to prep the sushi so much cheaper ultimately allows a restaurant to either sell sushi cheaper or to make more money. And ultimately, it doesn't feel like it, but everybody wins. And I know that there have been people who is robots have come into the factory. You don't feel any win from that at all. Displacing actually does happen from robotics. But what it does is it creates other opportunities. And it's up to each individual to seize those opportunities. Technology is never going to stop. It's part of the human experience, part of human life. Going all the way back, you may not think of it as technology, but how about when in ancient times people invented the wheel and how much that did to improve people's lives. And you look through the cycle of history, technology ultimately can be used for evil, for war, things like that. But the ultimate of technology is clear human benefit, greater wealth, better health. I mean, think about when people used to have to do all these backbreaking jobs that broke down their bodies at young ages, all the developments in medicine and science that have allowed people to overcome illnesses that in the past would have destroyed them. The reason I wanted to talk about this is you're going to hear me this week from CES, the Consumer Electronics Show is what it used to be called. Now, for some reason, they just call it CES. But I will see and breathlessly speak about this new thing and that new thing and the other new thing. And yeah, I am too enthusiastic about the various gadgets and products that I'll see. But I want you to know that I believe that the creativity of humanity, the ingenuity of very bright people, ultimately benefits us, benefits our society, benefits the United States, and ultimately the world. A hundred years ago, the average person in the United States lived to mid-40s. Today, the average lifespan is roughly 80 years old. Science, technology, medicine, all made that happen. Jeff joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Jeff. Hello, Clark. How are you? Great, thank you. You don't sound 12 years old to me. Uh, no, unfortunately, I'm not. I wish I was sometimes. <laughs> Do you? Um, Would you really want to go back to being 12? Yeah, you know, most days probably. 
it would give me some flexibility, that's for sure. Well, my 12-year-old son wishes that he were an adult already, and I keep telling him, you got plenty of time for that. <laughs> exactly. And I'm probably, in this respect, I'm probably progressing my daughter a little too far, um, and, and that's what led, led me to my question for you. Um, and she is really, really responsible in in her money management skills, and and she understands the flexibility uh, and, and somewhat the power in, in having money. And uh, I've been handling her finances by just basically being the bank, and and um, she'll come to me and she'll want to withdraw, and and you know, and I just let her do what she wants to do in that respect. And and also been serving as a credit card and 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 letting her. Um, use an app on a phone with my credit card on it, and then she'll just come back and pay me back once she's made a, a purchase. Um, and she really likes to save. She doesn't feel comfortable um, going under a certain dollar amount, for example, um, in her savings. And um, she recently came to me and said, look, my app doesn't doesn't always work you know, for, for credit card purchases, and and can I get my own credit card? And that's when I started looking into it, and I said, well, yeah, it makes sense to me. I think you're responsible enough. You're, I mean, even though she's 12 years old, she's really more responsible than, unfortunately, a lot of adults I know. Um, and, and I started looking into it, and she has to be 18, apparently, to start start establishing credit. And then, you know, in order to pay the credit card company, obviously she would need a checking account as well. And and I think she has to be 13 for most banks as well. So I, I didn't know. If Do you mean to have a, um, a checking account? To have a checking account? Yeah, it depends on the bank. 13, 15. In fact, one of the things that a lot of banks have eliminated in this decade is they've eliminated youth checking accounts. Okay. And they've gone instead to youth spending accounts, which is where a child has a debit card tied into a savings account or some kind of uh, account at a financial institution that they can draw on, but it's really only about spending money, not at all about like a traditional account where you put money on deposit, you hope money grows over time, because they're trying to turn our kids into spenders, not savers. Right. So... This is she really wants both, right? Yeah, she wants to have the flexibility, and and I know you're not a big fan of debit cards. I I don't even own a debit card myself, um, and so that's why I was kind of shying away from the whole debit card thing. Well, one thing you can do, and it depends on the the credit card company, what age they'll allow you to add a child as an authorized user. Yeah, and I did call my credit card company, and they said I could do that. Um, but I was really you know, I was trying to do two things. I was trying to separate the transactions uh, so I don't have to try to go through mine every month and figure out what happened. And two, I wanted to go ahead and even maybe try to start establishing her credit, credit history. Well, actually, um, if you make her an authorized user, if they take mm-hmm. her Social Security number, okay. she will likely start establishing credit already. Oh, that's great. And it depends on the issuer if they report authorized user status. Now, do you have any of what are generally referred to as back-of-the-wallet cards? Do you know what what that term means? I do not. That means a credit card you have that you really don't ever use anymore? Yes, I do have one of those. (laughs) So if you have a a back-of-the-wallet card, you can use that as a way 
to add her as an authorized user. That way you would know what right. charging she's doing. Okay, that makes sense. I'll, I'll try that then. That would help us maybe get there. And then when, maybe maybe when she turns 13 um, in about six months, that I can get her a uh, checking account then too. And again, that depends on each institution, what age they'll let a kid have an account. But sure. if you found one that'll let her have one at 13, that's fine. Yes, I did. So, okay, great. Well, thank you so much. It's been very helpful. Absolutely. And I, I'm impressed that you've got a child who's into savings because my son really only likes the spending part of money. <laughs> yeah, I've got a, a near 15-year-old that, that she's uh, YOLO. You, you only live once, and she spends it every day. So it's two different mentalities. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's so weird. I have three children. And every one of them, they are so different one from another. You know, growing up as my kids, there's no similarity in in their personalities or how they are with money. So uh, parental influence is something, but so much is wired into each of them. Ron is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Ron. Hi, Clark. Thank you for taking my call. Certainly. I have a question about um, owner's title insurance. I love owner's title insurance. My question relates to what to do if you find that your owner's title insurance no longer covers the amount that your real estate is worth. So you've owned your home a good, good number of years? Yes. How many years have you owned it? More than 30. If you've owned a home that long, has there ever been any hint that there's going to be any issue about you having clear and marketable title? No. If you've owned it for, gosh, nearly a third of a century, and you've had owner's title insurance, obviously the value of the home has stepped up quite a bit. Uh, the original value of it was for the, the amount of money you uh, the house would have been worth minus what was on the mortgage i think you're okay okay so i i don't think i'd worry about the fact that you feel exposed because if there was going to be a challenge to your uh proper ownership of the property it would be the most unusual and weird set of circumstances that that would ever occur three decades out from buying the property yeah that's what i was thinking so uh, i would not some... i would not fret you know i'm glad ron that you're this on it because the big problem i have is that most people never consider or even understand owner's title insurance you've got it down fine and i wouldn't worry about the fact that you have some exposure because of increase in value over the decades what i want is when somebody buys a home to buy an owner's title policy. The lender requires one. You can piggyback, usually at a decent rate. You want to make sure you're protected along with the lender as well. Somebody ever challenges your rightful ownership of your property. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. 
Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Dennis is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Dennis, how are you doing? Good, sir. How you doing, Clark? Great, thank you. Dennis, you've got an offer you've seen for a great deal on pay TV, all the premium channels and all that, for how much a month? $29 a month. All right. And did a friend show you this, or did you find this on the Internet? or? No, I was down in Mississippi, and I saw it in Mississippi. Okay. So I want to tell you there's a lot of these out there that this one includes even things like HBO and stuff like that, right? Yes, sir. Okay. So... How could they do that for $29 when if you went to most anywhere and you were buying a complete package that included hundreds of channels, including premiums, that normally you'd pay $200 a month? How do they do it for $29? That's my question, Scott. They're stealing. They're stealing it. So there are a number of these companies out there, Dennis, that are offering these phenomenal deals that include um, all kinds of programming. And the way they're able to do it so cheap is they steal the signals and make them available to you. Okay. Uh, so so don't, don't, go any, don't go anywhere near it. Okay. This is... It's weird because it's not like the music thing in one way. If you remember long ago when people would steal music and they yes, just sir. download anything they wanted for free, in that case yes, you sir. were paying nothing. In the case with these um, pirates of pay TV, you're paying something. Could be 20 a month, 30 a month. Could be you pay a flat rate of several hundred to buy a pirate box, but all that programming you're getting, you're running off with it without really paying for it. So I would not consider this one bit. Okay. Thank you, Clark. Okay. You have a great day. You too. Thank you. Sure. You know, it's weird about this with the TV because there are so many new streaming offers out there, it gives these pirate ones more sense of credibility, but they're not a free lunch, but they're close enough that you should know all you're getting is stuff that somebody hadn't paid for, and you're not paying the real price either. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast of our show, I'd love it if you'd subscribe. Whatever your favorite podcast app is, we're pretty much there. And whether you love what you hear from me or hate it, take time to write a review. It's how we all learn from each other is from those reviews.